You are listening to the Quarter Transmissions. Or leave episode 25. Just what the doctor ordered. Right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. Thank you for joining us once again on Shore Leave, your Star Trek convention community podcast. I am Jeff Hewlett, and here alongside me is the one and only Heather Barker. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm pretty good. We're now at 37 days from oh STOV as it, of this recording. It is going by so fast. It will be here before we know it. And we have so much Shore Leave to do between now yes. and the convention. I think we just figured out that every Sunday is going to have some Shore yes. Leave coming out. So yep, yep, yep. I hope all you guys out there in listener land have plenty of time to fit us in. So um, tonight, to help us talk about our topic, we're going to get into the topic in a minute. We have two brand new guests to Shore Leave. Uh, first up, I want to introduce Mr. Matt Hansen. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. And also joining us is Mr. Zach Nichols. Glad to have you with us as well, Zach. Hello, computer. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Mr. Captain's Holiday. (laughs) What? Uh, People remember that? Of course. Of course we do. So this is our 25th episode of Shore Leave tonight. So a little bit of a milestone for, uh, for Heather and I. So it's pretty cool. We're focusing on managing conventions with anxiety. And this is a topic that we touched on very, very briefly in our three-part STOV 101 series that we just completed uh, last Sunday. But Heather, do you want to quickly talk about why we decided to do this as its own standalone episode? Well, we had a lot of people ask for it. We did. Basically. And it's something that comes up in discussion um, really across the entire STLV community, not just our close friends, um, but everyone, because I think all of us have a little bit of anxiety of our own, whether, whether it's a diagnosed disorder or just general anxiety. I certainly do. And I think you do. And so we thought we would do our best to tackle the subject. And I think our guests tonight are going to be a great help uh, to do that. So I would agree with you. And we have a lot to cover in this episode. But before we get started, I wanted to quickly say that if you're listening to this as someone who doesn't suffer from any form of anxiety or, or other mental health issues, I, we, we ask that you please do your best to keep an open mind. I think as a society, we've been making some really good strides uh, toward the acceptance of mental illness, but I think the stigma is is definitely still out there, and it can make topics like this difficult to discuss for people who suffer with them. I think everyone on this show tonight will agree that it takes a certain amount of bravery to speak out when you know you're opening yourself up you know, to judgment and, and maybe some, some criticism, especially in the social media world out there. So uh, everyone here tonight has a story to tell, and, and I really hope that this can be used to raise awareness and build some constructive dialogue. So, um, you know, we do have quite an agenda to dive into. Heather, do you have anything to add to that, or do you want to just jump right in? Um, yeah, I would just say that our ultimate goal with this podcast um, is to make people feel more comfortable about coming to the convention. Well, STLB, we're really approaching this from a general perspective, so we're we're hoping this information will help people attend any convention. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we will probably talk about STLV quite a bit since we're so close to it and since we're all planning to go. So that's fine as well. But we we're, we just wanted to to help people, basically. And hopefully it will do that. I think it will. I think uh, especially because we have some really great stories to tell near the end. So uh, we're going to get some really good advice out there and some just bring some issues to light and hopefully everyone will be able to get a better understanding of what everyone has been has been experiencing with their what they're going through. So do you have some uh, types of anxiety disorders we want to jump into? Yeah, well, I I just wanted to mention before we start, because we gave this a very general, we're just, it's managing conventions with anxiety. Um, I refer to social anxiety a lot because that's where my anxiety seems to uh, focus is when I'm around a lot of people. But I just wanted, you know, to, to make it clear that there are different types of anxiety disorders. There's generalized anxiety disorder um, that's characterized by just chronic anxiety, exaggerated worry intention. Um, I think a lot of people have this and, and it can be a constant, it can be situational. There's OCD, which I wish we had someone with OCD on the show that could talk about managing that at STLV. Um, I'm not sure that we do, but I think most people are pretty familiar with obsessive compulsive disorder characterized by recurrent unwanted thoughts um, and, and or repetitive behaviors. There's Panic disorder, basically panic attacks. You can have physical symptoms like chest pain, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, etc. There's PTSD, uh, which is getting a lot of attention in the news these days. Um, and we have a, a lot of attendees. It's, it's not just our veterans that suffer from PTSD. It could be various traumas throughout our lives yeah. that causes that. But you can wind up having pretty severe flashbacks at any time. And then, like I said, just, you know, social phobia, social anxiety disorder. This one applies to, to me the most. And it's I don't have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. I'll make that very clear. But I, I do certainly believe that <laughs> I suffer from anxiety. I think a lot of us can kind of self-diagnose when we when we have anxiety issues. Um, so what about you guys? Well, I had a brief bout with panic um, a few years ago. Uh, I've, I've since gotten past that, thankfully, but I do have some anxiety issues that we'll talk about a little bit later uh, in the show. But what about you, Matt? So I have a combination of both generalized anxiety and social anxiety, both diagnosed. Zach, what about you? Anything? I typically hate using the word anxiety because you talked about uh, people who get triggered without having anxiety. Usually that's me because uh, whenever something's going on, I get into a new environment or I'm in a new situation, I go through what's called a normal biological responses. Yes, I get the butterflies in my stomach. Yes, I get that little chill running up and down my spine. I get nervous. I'll get out and I have to convince myself to go do something. But mm -hmm. I hate ever using the term anxiety for that because people seem to – I don't want to sit there and say I have some kind of disorder because it seems to negate people who actually have the disorder. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I go through anxious symptoms and a normal biological response to whenever I'm outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So do I have any kind of anxiety disorder? No, but we all go through certain things. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think it's, I think that's a good thing to point out is that, you know, like I said, I don't have a, a, a diagnosed anxiety disorder. I certainly have anxiety symptoms from time to time. And I've had a few panic attacks in my lifetime, but I, I think it's important to remember that, you know, going to a convention with a lot of people, even smaller conventions where you just don't know anybody can certainly give you a bit of anxiety along with physical symptoms. So it, it happens to a lot of people and and that's why we're talking about it yes i think matt's got quite a history here with anxiety and how he has worked to make uh conventions and large uh, scale events more manageable and I, we were wondering a little bit about how matt you prepare uh for something like star trek las vegas or a large convention well it's it's much different now because when i when i go to the convention this year 2017 it'll be my fifth or sixth convention. I've been going to the Vegas con since 2012, which must have been my first year. And I, I can say that that first year I had no idea what to expect. I was going alone. Uh, I was excited for sure. I had never been to any kind of like real convention before, certainly never Star Trek. And it was all, it was exciting, but it was overwhelming. And one of my biggest issues when it comes to my social anxiety as opposed to my my general anxiety is that uh, you stick me in a room with a bunch of people that I don't really know. It's very hard for me to be the one to initiate contact. Right. I had a great time my first year. I'm not going to sit here and say that it was awful, but it, it did prevent me from, I guess, fully enjoying it only because like I would wait for someone to come talk to me. I wouldn't go talk mm -hmm. to other people. And that's a frustrating position to be in when you have so many cool people around you. But it's just that uh, it's it's just the the this thing that I have. I, it, it's yeah. hard to articulate. Yeah, and I, I it seems that that's pretty common for a lot of people. Well, mostly with STLV, since that's really the the biggest well the one convention that I go to these days. But we get a lot of people commenting about how it's just very difficult to approach people. So have you learned like in the past year, have you gotten any tips or is it just like your experience and going, you know, since that year, have you just become more familiar? You've made friends or is there anything specific that you've done that's helped you relax? So I think it's a, a combination of all of the above. So I, I've been going every year since 2012. Certainly it's gotten easier since then. You know, I, I've been very grateful to, you know, have met people like you both and, and a few other mutual friends that are great fun. It's always fun to see them every year. It's like a giant reunion. Yeah. That's certainly made it easier. Within the past year, though, I would say that my both my generalized anxiety and my social anxiety, I, actually, I, you know, I can say that it's gotten better because I've actually gone back into um, – both psychological therapy and I had never been on um, psychiatric medication before, but this within the last year in November 2016, I started taking sertraline, which is the fancy pharmacological term for Zoloft. People <laughs> don't know if people don't know what Zoloft is. You you know you might remember the commercial from about 10 years ago with the cartoon egg that was sad yeah. and gets happy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because for me and my own experience, so I am fine at STLV. I started going with people and then my life changed. I got divorced. So uh, I wound up going on my own 
in 2011, but I, I knew at that time that I had a friend to stay with, um, someone that I'd already met. So I had that familiarity there. But for the most part, as TLV, even being a large convention has not been difficult for for me from a social anxiety perspective. But I went to Denver Comic Con last year and it had hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> I want to say it was 300,000. <laughs> that may be too much. And I barely, barely made it. I was there for an hour and kind of walking like the main halls, trying to get my bearings of where I was going and had to kind of escape the hall went out to like the cafeteria and kind of stood against the wall, like as far away mm -hmm. from all of the people as I could and had a beer to try to calm myself down for a little bit. And then I ventured into the vendor's room and it was just like a constant line of people. So there was nowhere that you could really escape to when you were in an area with a lot of people. And so for me, it came very close to inducing a full-blown panic attack. We just, we had to leave probably an hour after being there. So uh, Zach, you've been to some of the really big conventions, right? Like I think you've been to Star Wars weekends. I've been to Star Wars Celebration the last two years. And those were probably about 70,000. Right. Uh, Titan Con the last two years, about 90,000. Salt Lake Comic Con like a year and a half ago was like 140,000. Yeah. And those so are all the, the biggest ones I've been to. Do you find those kind of intimidating or... Well, it's like it's a different kind of feel for me. So when I consider so, uh, Star Trek Vegas intimate, it's got right. just enough people that it feels like a big deal. There's like about, what, 5,000 people a day? Yeah. But it's at the certain point that I can go 20 or 30 feet and I still see a face I know. That mm -hmm. I know enough people there that it feels like an intimate gathering. That there's We kind of called it last year like Star Trek camp or summer camp for adults. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that uh, it's it's very fun for me because it's like I'm always around people that I know. When mm -hmm. I go to the bigger conventions, it's a different it's kind of a different game because I've spent days alone at these conventions and met people through different parties and different events. So Star Wars Celebration the first year, we'll go with that one. That's a good comparison because that was only my second convention ever. The first okay. one was Star Trek Vegas that I met you at six months right. before. So in Star Wars Celebration, this was in Anaheim two years ago. Like I went to that one. There was like 60,000, 70,000 people there. Well, I found a few different parties to go to, and I met several people. And I've made contact with them, and I've stayed in contact with several of them since then. But I kind of stay in a pack when I'm there. Like eventually, Joni showed up, and me and her hung out for that weekend. So like we'll take our pack, and we'll move around when we mobile. But it's not the same feeling. So is it intimidating is not the word I would use for it. Okay. But I do have different tactics for navigating it socially. I will yeah. stay within a certain circle, and I'll make that circle go around with me. But it's, <laughs> less, it's less freelancing than it is at something like Star Trek Vegas. Right. I very much feel the same. Like I think even though um, my partner was with me at Denver Comic Con, I think if we had been around more people, and sadly enough, I had friends who went that I was going to meet up with, and I just could not... I could not get settled and feel comfortable enough to stay long enough to meet those people. But I think it sounds like for these really, really big conventions, um, it's nice to kind of network and maybe find some friends online via groups. Like we have our unofficial STLV group, which is always a good tool just to make STLV friends. But it sounds like maybe having a buddy 
for those really large conventions is the way to go. Yeah, that's always how I approached it. Well, the atmosphere, I think, is completely different on, on these ones, too. So Star Trek Las Vegas, considering like how much we believe in IDIC and infinite diversity and infinite combinations, it has a different warm opening feel than these other ones do. Yeah. So you go to Star Trek Las Vegas by yourself and you can walk in and meet 100 people that night and have 100 friends. You yeah. go to Star Wars and it's completely different feeling or mm-hmm. Salt Lake Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con or Dragon Con. And those are typically groups of people who are hanging out and they'll meet other groups, but they tend to stay more in their groups. Yeah. yeah. More click, more like clicks. <laughs> yes, more clickish. <laughs> That's definitely an experience I've had at cons other than STLV as well. New York Comic Con, um, some of the horror cons and sci-fi cons here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, New York. STLV is very different. Zach's classifying it as a more intimate feel is definitely more appropriate. I, I haven't had that same experience anywhere else except for Star Trek. Even the Star Trek convention here in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the creation one, isn't like STLV yeah. in that intimate way. I mean, I've gone to that convention here in New Jersey several times, and, it, and now I know people who go to it because I met them in Las Vegas, and they happen to go there, but it still it doesn't seem to have that same sort of... Um, I'm not sure how to how to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess did you anybody have any final thoughts on like dealing with the um, size of conventions or anything? Well, I think your buddy comment there a minute ago was something that we should we could touch on uh, really quickly because that was kind of how I have always gone to conventions for the most part. I always had you know one or two convention buddies who I knew in my regular normal life who also like to go to conventions. So, um, you know, the guy that I started the Tricorder Transmissions with, Craig, he and I would go to a lot of the conventions in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. So I always had somebody to go with. And typically, you know, somebody else would, would meet up with us there, a friend of his, friend of mine who wanted to go. So going to a convention by myself was never something that I did uh, until that one time that it happened to me in, in Las Vegas. So it was something that I really wasn't used to. And I'm, I'm not sure if, if anybody else employed the buddy system at other conventions they went to, but for me, it always helped. Well, I used Vegas to form the buddy system nice. that I could go to all these other conventions <laughs> too. That's pretty much my, my thoughts as well. Also too, uh, I will say I, I'm, I feel like I'm fortunate that I do podcasting because that's, that opened up a whole new realm of people that, uh, I now consider friends and a lot of them end up going to STLV. So I know I can count on them too. Yeah. All right. So I guess we can move along to our next topic. And I guess this is something that I had mentioned. I guess there was a thread right around last year's STLV in the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook group that, that Heather and I are, are admins of, and it was around anxiety and social anxiety and other conditions at the convention. I can't remember, Heather, if it was before or after STLV. Part of me wants to say it was after. People were just kind of commenting on it and and talking about their own issues and, and kind of connecting with other people. And I had made a post in there about social exhaustion, which is something that I've had an issue with for quite a while. And a couple of other people you know, kind of co-signed on it and said, you know, I had the same type of a problem. And I, I really hadn't run into a lot of people before who said they had a problem like that. And it really, it really isn't something you get diagnosed with. It's more like a, um, just a feeling of becoming mentally drained through socialization. And 
going to conventions and meeting a lot of strangers and, and trying to have conversations with them and socialize with them and get to know them is a, is a more exhausting process for me than it seems to be for a lot of other people. And it's hard to really describe exactly what it feels like, but it's I kind of like to say it's, it's like having a certain amount of energy to expend in, in any given day and how I spend it affects how fast it it drains and how how quickly I need to go and, and recharge. And, you know, hanging out with my friends at the conventions, like our group, Heather and I, and, and our other close Trek family doing the things that we do doesn't take much energy at all. In fact, sometimes it can actually add to my energy and make me more energized. But, you know, if I'm at a, in a situation where I'm trying to talk to new people and getting to know new people, it drains a lot faster. And, you know, sometimes I can tell when that wall is coming and sometimes I, I can't. But when it does come, it's hard to describe what it feels like. It's kind of like being tired in your head, not a sleepy tired, but it's hard to keep focus. It's hard to interact with people. It's hard to get my thoughts out and hard to listen to other people and, and kind of respond. And often it's something people mistake for me being in a bad mood <laughs> or just not liking them, but it's not the case. And it's uh, I, I don't know if that's, it makes any sense, but have any of you guys ever experienced that? Me, Matt, Heather, Zach, anybody? Yeah. I mean, I, no, I was just, <laughs> I was just going to make the joke. Like I was like, I was just going to joke that I wish I was social enough to become exhausted from it. <laughs> uh, that sounds like, that sounds like a problem I want to have, but Heather, you were saying. Uh, so, so for me, I'm an introvert. <laughs> Let's play with labels. Um, so I'm an introvert. I, my, my job is very solitary. I don't socialize a lot. I have a few close friends here in Colorado. Most of my socialization is, you know, my partner and then when I go get my nails done <laughs> or my hair done, or I may go out on occasion with a pet sitter friend or whatnot. So being that I'm an introvert, it, it seems pretty common. And it, it's not just introverts, by the way, but social exhaustion is certainly a very real thing. And for me, I've had the same experience. And that's why I giggled a little bit, because it's not just the the withdrawal, you know, as you get tired and exhausted from all the socializing, you you basically start to kind of withdraw in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I do do that at times. And I have, people have assumed that I was unhappy or angry or whatnot because of that. Yes. And I also ex experienced, <laughs> bring up a, my, my favorite Jeff story. Oh boy, there um, we go. Never live this down. <laughs> uh, I just, I just bring it up because I talk about it all the time. I have fibromyalgia, so I, I have a physical disability. I, When I go to the convention, I'm often in a lot of pain, partly because I'm also very stressed out and I'm not sleeping enough. I'm socializing more than I socialize all year long. The same thing happens where people just get the wrong impression. And that's it's difficult to avoid. I mean, you can't tell people what to think. We're going to talk a little bit later about being proactive towards approaching other people who might be socially exhausted, who might have anxiety disorders and whatnot. But I don't know. I guess for me, I, I certainly, whether it's at STOV or just in real life, I need time to myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need time completely alone, away from everybody. So I certainly understand that. And I guess, I don't know, for me... I just make sure that I check out, like if I do feel it coming on, 
Um, I've, you know, if I feel a little frenzied or overwhelmed, I'll just excuse myself and typically go up to my room and chill for a little while. Mm. Going back to the, the labels thing, uh, looking this stuff up and it typically attributes the social exhaustion concept to introverts, but I've never really classified myself as an introvert I, or an extrovert for that matter. I always felt like I was somewhere in the middle. You're an ambivert. Is that what it's called? Is that the word? <laughs> So I have a label. Damn. (laughs) I'm not a big label guy. But, you know, for me, when when it does hit, I don't always feel like I need to withdraw from everybody. Sometimes I do like to be alone, but there's times where I feel like I can I mean, just being with a small group of people that I'm very familiar with and even just sitting quietly with those people or just having a light conversation for a little while definitely uh, helps me bounce back. I think we did that a few times last year. Um, there were nights where, you know, we would go up to someone's room, throw some Star Trek episodes on and order some pizza. That was and, fun. And yeah, Matt, <laughs> you were there. And it was just it was so cool and chill and relaxed. And it, it just brought every bit of that energy right back. And it's a that's a really great thing. But something else for me that I know that helps me in my regular this happens to me not only at the conventions, but this happens to me in real life as well. I hate saying real life. As opposed to convention life, but in my everyday life, not real life, but in my everyday life, this does happen to me quite a bit. Um, But, you know, one of the things that always really gets me back to center, and I think, Heather, you can relate to this as well, is you jump back in the car, you put the music on, and it just kind of takes you back to where you need to be. And I've always been, I've had a very close relationship with music ever since I was a little kid. And that still holds true today. So one thing I'm planning to do this year that I haven't done in previous years at STOV is bring my little pair of wireless headphones with me and keep them in my pocket. And if I'm ever feeling to the point where I need to just jump out for a little bit, I'll find one of those quiet spaces at Quark's or in one of the side hallways, pop my earphones in and just fire up some music for a little while because that always really seems to do the trick for me. And I think that's generally a good tool that um, you can use not just with social exhaustion, but with anxiety, Mm -hmm. Uh, bringing something along and um, I think that's one thing that's pertinent to the the con discussion is thinking about like if you're if you're on the convention floor and you start to get anxious, what can you do? Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish that creation was more proactive with setting up good spaces, <laughs> good quiet spaces for people uh, back in what 2015. This is yep. before they had the Roddenberry stage, which is now going to be the CBS All Access stage. They had a little area set up with beanbag chairs and rugs yeah, that place and great. cornhole game, which I didn't see a ton of people playing, but it was there. Like it had nice ambient lighting, like you would mm-hmm. see in a TOS episode and quiet mm-hmm. music. And I went to that room so many times just because it was just the perfect place to get away. It was never very crowded uh, and you could lay down. I saw people (laughs) taking naps there Yeah, when I was there. It was great. Yeah, I believe it. So that, that space was just uh, amazing. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily set up specifically to, to help people get away. I mean, maybe it was certainly a little lounge area, but then they wound up replacing that. And it seems like it's, you know, it's going to be some kind of stage 
uh, every year moving forward. And yeah, so, I mean, the con itself is getting bigger and bigger. It like is. Not just, not just the people, but like how far it extends in the lobby, because now you got the quirks bar and you've got the bridges in one place. And you guys remember last year uh, in the vendors hall, it, everything got moved around because of that huge Mac, Mac display. Husband, that yeah. they yep. Yep. And <laughs> which will be gone this year as far as I, was I, gonna, I, was, I was gonna say, is that coming back? Because that like that screwed up a lot of things. I yeah, hope I, don't, I don't I really think... liked it. <laughs> I mean I, it, it I was, was a big fun. fan, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah. I like I liked it, but at the same time, like once you've been in there, you've heard all their performances. So it's like <laughs> I, I'm reciting the dialogue as I'm going by. You know what I mean? It's but, just to the same point, if you've walked through the vendors hall, it's not like it changes during the week. It's gonna be the same guy selling the same picture of the enterprise. At least this one was like something interactive. Yeah. It was nice that they had the photo ops there. Uh that was really cool. And I guess we'll have an actual 10 forward this year. They won't come back. They did the well, they may come back in the future, but they came for the 50th specifically because yep. they released that makeup line for the anniversary. So I don't expect them to be back this year. And I think they probably would have announced it at this point. Uh, so I think the vendor's room will return to normal, but it, it does look like they're still going to have the the separate autograph room, which I hated yeah, that room yeah. because it felt claustrophobic. That was a super small room. Like in, in, yeah. in, in the, And I also felt like they don't, they didn't give enough aisle space like exactly there was, no, there was it, it felt like a maze yeah it was like a traffic jam waiting there. Yeah, yeah i i really couldn't a five-year missions table was in there and i think i probably only made it into that room once or twice because it was just way too crowded i i get claustrophobic and even though the room itself is not necessarily small it certainly felt that way and i it, it really made me worry about like you know, people with scooters, how can they even navigate? Mm -hmm. in right. I was going to say, even if you're not claustrophobic, it was just annoying how, yeah. how, how tiny the aisles were. And that secondary vendor's room was just as bad. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that'll be the there closet? this year. It was like a closet. Yeah. Fortunately, I think they'll close that one down since we probably. Oh, oh the secondary vendor's room. Oh, I yeah. It was like that. A, that little tiny room. Yeah. 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 Which. Just I, I have a I have a feeling that had to be open because of the map display because all yeah. that stuff was usually in the in the main room. Yeah, so I I don't think we'll see that one again unless it's you know another gigantic the hundredth anniversary of Star Trek when we're dead. <laughs> all right, well, now we're getting morbid. That's, 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 that's a chill <laughs> about anxiety. <laughs> well, okay, so so I think that. Since they don't have that uh, a kind of room set up anymore, what I tend to do when I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I don't want to go all the way back up to my room, and for many people that's not even an option since they're staying at the Gold Coast or somewhere off campus, so to speak, so they're, they don't have somewhere to go, my recommendation is either to go in the very the back of the theaters because there's always standing room, there's always space to sit down, especially in the main theater you can stand against the wall and still be a you know pretty far from where the seats end. Aside from that, I think finding places kind of at the end of the hallways. Yeah, you know that hallway outside of Quarks, that little hallway there down the end, was always felt super quiet to me. That was one of the places I liked to go. There were a lot of people who would sit around the the walls at the end of that hallway there. Yeah, like where the um that hallway where the alcoves were last year. Yeah. Like the Borg alcoves. Yep. Yeah, yeah. At the very end of that one. 
because the other hallway had the guardian and then that balloon, the balloon enterprise, enterprise thing. Yeah. So that was difficult. Um, one of my my issues is I have misophonia or misophonia, depending on oh, how you pronounce it. I so do too. <laughs> I uh, I have trouble with certain volumes of sound, like murmuring mm-hmm. or excessive sound, or sounds like heels clicking on floors or people smacking their mouths when they eat. <laughs> yes, chewing gum, cracking gum. Yeah, so um, misophonia, yeah. like you get enraged. <laughs> I had I grew up always thinking it was just, you know, some weird thing about myself. And then as an adult, found out that it's an actual thing in your, you know, just the way that your brain is wired. So that typically adds to my anxiety. And something like that, where the guardian was that hallway, like I remember just trying to escape people and escape the sounds and it still wasn't far enough away. Mm-hmm. Well, they also, I mean, they put a ton of stuff right next to where the guardian is because you have the guardian, you have the centerpiece where everyone's getting their tickets. You have, yeah. I think that's where the, the, the vendors park their little cars to, to give out the food, which is crap, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you have, five things going on in that at that one portion of the hallway at a time. Yeah. I I find that just seeking out even like further down from the vendor's room, like there's there's more hallway past the main door, so that's another good spot. I mean, it's pretty the the convention space itself is pretty navigable. It's easy to understand. They have maps. And so I just go as far as possible <laughs> into a little nook and cranny and just sit down and look at my phone or like Jeff said, mm-hmm. it's a great idea to bring headphones. I know for some people bringing sunglasses helps with sensory overload as well. I would say my experience wearing sunglasses has not always been great and people give me weird looks. So thanks people that it could make you, it's made me more uncomfortable Although sometimes I just don't give a, you know what, because that's what makes me comfortable is wearing the sunglasses and I'm going to wear them. But that's another, another thing that you can bring that might help you just kind of be able to center and keep going. Uh, What I've seen a lot of people do during the day time is like, there's usually at least 15 people usually still hanging out over at Masquerade. So like there's those little areas in the hallways that we've been talking about uh, that if you're looking for a space there's usually like those two corners in the far back that usually that are pretty wide open that if you just want five minutes to chill you have that but if you want to go a little further i've always seen several people in uniform and it's very open space during the daytime at masquerade it's never too busy never too crowded and there's usually a few people there that if you want to socialize with it like one or two they're there or you can just sit there for a few moments and it's not too loud not too crazy mm-hmm. that yeah. there's it's not too far either that you don't have to go all the way all the, all the way over to gold coast yeah. yeah. Ibar, too, is a good one. Yeah, and it's another really great spot, too. If you go n- near the Starbucks, if you don't really want to walk too, too far, if you go up to where the Starbucks is, which is just up the hallway from the convention space, there's this kind of crooked offshoot hallway that goes uh, kind of around to the right past Starbucks. It's around the edge of this kind of concierge desk that there never seems to be anybody at. <laughs> pen and teller that's where the pen and teller yeah, yeah 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 and there's never anybody there during the day that's a really good place to go to i actually had to, to take a phone call 
one day while I was out there because of, I forgot to call my credit card company and tell them I was going to be in Vegas. So they were denying mm-hmm. my card. So I needed a quiet place <laughs> to make a phone call so I could call up. And I actually found that spot over there and it was perfect. It was nice and quiet. Yeah, pretty much from like Penn and Teller down through to the entrance of the uh, of the convention. There's usually spots that are like either benches yep. or there's like nooks and crannies just off to the side that you're able to post up on. I think um, I'll mention now, and this is STLV specific, but I got this idea from a friend who went to, I think it was actually a, her choral group had a convention and it's, you know, choral groups from around the world. So it was like 6,000 people at this convention and they had coloring tables. And so I like to color, even though I'm 36 years old. Uh, <laughs> coloring is very popular uh, these days with a lot of people to help uh, just, you know, relieve stress. And so I kind of thought up the idea about bringing stuff to STLV and I mentioned it in the group and there was a ton of interest. Yep. So we do have approval from Creation to set up coloring tables. I'm going to do it in Quarks because Quarks is the only place with tables <laughs> <laughs> that we can use. Um, but we will have have a couple tables with uh, coloring books and supplies that are free to use. We ask that you don't walk. Well, I have coloring books and I'm going to rip out the pages and we have some copies of stuff, but we had to be careful with copyright law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just ask that, of course, people don't take the coloring supplies away from the tables, but those will be there. And they do seem to have stuff like that at other conventions. So uh, keep an eye out if you're going to, you know, Dragon Con or maybe San Diego Comic Con, which are both really big. Uh, Just kind of keep an eye out and see if there's something like that that can, you know, potentially help you chill out. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I'm a big fan of coloring mandalas. So uh, I'll be participating. I'm, I'm going to bring some stuff with me too, some some pencils and stuff to contribute to that. So hopefully uh, a lot more people show up to that. We got a lot of good response in the group. I thought that was such a creative idea too. And I mean, come, there's no age cap on coloring. No. no, no. Well, it worked out well because I think unfortunately one, um, our friend Mary Cherwinski has been there in the past with her craft table. And unfortunately, I don't think she's coming this year. Uh, and she had, from what I understand, some coloring tables for kids uh, in the in the mornings and whatnot, like, you know, break a dawn, 8 a.m. Uh, so I was glad that we could at least carry on that tradition, keep the coloring tables around because I, I, had, I had not seen them. I knew she had a crafts table. And, you know, honestly, since we mentioned this idea, we even had people uh, ask about bringing like some some tabletop games or card games. So I recommend that to anyone, whether you're coming to STLV or to another convention. Uh, Not only is it a nice little thing to to do to take your mind off of the convention, but it's a good way to to socialize without having a ton of stress about, well, what are we going to talk about? It's a, a fun tool to use, so I recommend doing that as well. Definitely. Yeah, every year I see that one group that uh, sets up a poker a poker table there in the middle of Quark's Bar. So, I mean, if one group's doing it, there's no reason why another group shouldn't be able to show up and have another game going. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Heather, do we want to quickly mention – I know we're going to get back on a little bit of a downer here, but do we want to quickly talk about the, uh, the post-con depression and coping <laughs> mechanisms. I know it's in the agenda. Uh, I don't know if we want to avoid yeah. this or not, but uh, this is a big deal. I think it's a, it's important to talk about. Um, you know, it's not necessarily tied in directly to anxiety, but uh, along the same lines, 
I think that it's it's good to not only warn people who may not have been who may experience this uh, and for those of us who do who do go and experience it yeah I think we should talk about it <laughs> okay so I I'll, I'll break the ice a little bit here and I'll say that I went to STLV uh, twice before I wound up getting uh, involved in this this great group of friends that that we now have I the first two times I went I didn't really get con depression I've been to Vegas probably nine or 10 times before I started going to STLV. So I was used to going to Vegas and coming home and and not having any ill effects. But once I wound up getting involved in this group of friends that we have and developing some of these really great relationships and getting really attached to these people, then it really kind of hit me out of the blue. In fact, that it, it, it got me when I was on my way to the airport. It was that quick. Uh, once the realization hit that the con was over and I probably wasn't going to see these people again uh, for a year, something just kind of snapped in my brain and I, I started to feel this in really intense anxiety and I guess you could call it depression in a way. And it took me, I, it's got to be the better part of two weeks once I got home to get back into my normal routine here and fully get over it. I mean, social media definitely helped. I mean, being able to talk to everybody on Twitter and Facebook and realize that I wasn't the only one going through that definitely helped, but it still was very present in my daily life for almost two weeks. I, I mean, for me, it's very normal. And uh, I would say for, for me, it's it's worse when I've gone with people who or I've roomed with people who end up not being able to stay for the full con. Oh, so like, uh, that's rough. I, I, yeah. So there's been a couple of years where that happened last year. I mean, Heather, I don't know because you met him briefly, but Tristan finally came to yeah, yes, Tristan, and that was the first time I had met him in person. But he and I are pretty close online, uh, and he was rooming with me, but he had to leave that Sunday, and I was going out on Monday, and so that's that's when it usually hits me the hardest. If I'm with other people, and then you know I end up going to the airport because it's over. It, it's it's somewhat mitigated, but you know it's it's having the people and then having the people leave early where I get hit the hardest. Mm. I'm the complete opposite. I don't get post con depression at all. So what's what's funny is that like whenever I go to con, I become the most extroverted I am out of the entire year. Mm-hmm. Like I make it a point to if I see you in the hallway, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to every single person I know during the convention, and I'll try and I force myself to meet like 17 people a day that I don't know. And just hit up random conversations. So whenever I end up leaving Star Trek Vegas, I always end up leaving more inspired than I am depressed. So it's like whenever I'm done with it, I'm always like, okay, what part of uh, the country are you in? And then like, like I make little notes. So whenever I'm like, okay, let's line up some stuff. So uh, there's a convention over there in like three months. Let's go to it. And I've been able to hold down friendships with people all across the country. I know I get to travel more than most people do. But even still, like hitting people up on Xbox Live or on Facebook or general texting conversations, being able to hold down friendships with everyone else. But then it also inspires me to keep that extrovert going. So -hmm. then I force myself into keep trying more things outside of Star Trek Las Vegas in the month afterwards. Yeah, I kind of think that Zach and I are kind of on the same page the way Heather, you and Jeff are on the same page, whereas you guys, I mean, we all have the commonality of anxiety stemming from big social situations, but where you guys uh, are looking for ways to kind of be more, uh, not isolated is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like step back from, from the big goings on. 
my anxiety stems from the fact that I want to be more social. I, I want to be in bigger situations, but I'm afraid to. Right. That's why when you posted the, the, um, cause, uh, people may not know, but the reason that Heather was able to contact me to come on was that she posted a picture of everybody hanging out in masquerade bar. And it's something that I've done before. It's something that I've enjoyed doing, but I always walk away thinking that, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have as good a time as I should have because I didn't really talk that much. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about STLV not really being clicky earlier, and I feel that that's true. But at the same time, it took me a couple of, of visits to realize that. And even then, like, you guys may laugh at this, but Heather and Jeff, like, your your big group that always is there at Masquerade and is always talking with each other, you know, Claire's in this group, all these people. I always looked at you guys as kind of like the A, the a group. Wow. <laughs> uh, in, in the sense that... No, I'm I'm not even kidding. Like I can because you guys are friendly with the the uh the five year mission guys, you usually get, you know, the extra backstage pass sort of thing. I was like part of the anxiety for me was like, well, I want to interact with the A group, but I don't know if I'm good enough to interact with the uh, A group. Uh, you know, so <laughs> honestly, I'll tell you right now that Heather had IM me earlier before we did this and and said, "Oh, you know, telling me that you were going to be on the show." And my, I remember my first memory of you, and this may be kind of the opposite of what you're thinking of yourself, but the first memory I have of you was at 2015 STLV. We were at the Masquerade Bar, and we were playing some of our Trek games, and you were actually playing along with us. That's my first memory of of meeting you at STLV, so you were definitely participating with our group. Yeah, but it was a thing that I, like, I, 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 I felt safe in that situation because, you know, the, I think the advantage of STLV over some other cons is that we all know, no matter what personality differences there are, we all have one thing in common. We all true. love yeah. Star Trek. Otherwise we wouldn't be there. That's true. Yeah. Um, so we can always connect on the Star Trek level. So whenever that's the opportunity for my in, I'm usually okay. But when it's talking about like socializing with other people or just, starting up conversations with other people. It's like, I want to be in, my thing was like, I want to be in the A group, but I don't think <laughs> I can talk to the A group. Well, uh, I got one thing on that. And you're talking about like, we all have one thing in common, but you want to figure out ways to start conversations. Honestly, Trek is the easiest way to start conversations at all at that convention. So last year I was a, let's say medium schmammered at the uh, pool last year. <laughs> pool party. I was uh, on my way to pool schmammered, but, uh, <laughs> I decided like there's 20 people around me that I didn't know. And I decided right now, everyone's going to tell me what's their least favorite Star Trek movie. And all of a sudden, everyone is just jumping in, yelling at each other, all in like a very good fond way. But at the end of it, I knew 25 people I didn't know. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think this is such a great subject because it comes up in conversation at STLV and in the group on a regular basis. And so the first part of this is actually the socializing at the bar. And I don't have a great a great solution to this issue because number one, the bar is just kind of where we all, you know, congregate to congregate at at night. It's where we flock to. That's just where the people are. And so that's where we go. Masquerade bar specifically is tight. It's hard to get up there. Last year it was almost impossible to get up to get a drink at the yeah. bar. Oh God, yeah. That was awful. Oh. <laughs> I it's mean, loud. It's smoky. Well, I mean, it's usually crowded, but because with the 50th last year, it was like insanely crowded. Yeah, it was even more. And, you know, the last couple of years, now that there's this iBar, like Jesse hosted his newbies event over at iBar 
And then, you know, we couldn't find a place to to stand or get drinks at Masquerade. So we wound up at Ibar a couple of times. But I think there's a lot of apprehension for people who, number one, they can't do claustrophobic spaces. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's too loud. So there are people um, with sensitive hearing or hearing disorders. Uh, the bars are certainly not navigable for anyone with accessibility issues. I mean, there is a ramp at Masquerade, but it's really impossible for someone with a scooter or even a walker or something to get up to Masquerade to get Usually a drink. People hanging around that on the ramp and yeah it's, yeah, it's packed. And then people who don't drink, and you know, I do drink. It's it's difficult. I want to tell those people, oh well, don't worry about it. Because no one's going to care if you have a beer in your hand or a cup of water. We're really just, we're not there to get drunk. At least I'm not. And what I know of my friends, it's like, we're not at the bar to get drunk. We're just at the bar to socialize. But I know that that entire situation is very intimidating. And the nice thing is that on, what, Thursday and Friday nights, Creation does have karaoke. There are a lot of people at karaoke, you know, again, that's going to be kind of loud because you've got people singing karaoke, but it's in the quirks. Yeah, it's in quirks. And so it's a it's a much bigger space. And there are still a lot of people there. And while they have a cash bar, it's not like everybody is drinking. So I think that that's really kind of the the second best option to if people don't want to go to the bar, they can go to karaoke. But there's just not a lot of other type of meetup situations at, at mm-hmm. this convention specifically uh, to go to. But I, I know that there's that whole bar scene is very intimidating for a lot of people. And I will speak for our group of friends because I we, we talk about it on this podcast a lot that we do have, you know, a smaller, intimate group of friends. And this is just, you know, whether it's at a convention or it's normal life, you have your friends that you are very close to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that we tend to hang out with the most. And I certainly understand how people see those group as clicks or feel intimidated. But our group, we are always open (laughs) to meeting new people, to talking to new people, to bringing new people into our smaller little family. And I find that for the most part, I think people at this convention are pretty accepting. And I think that Zach's example of, you know, just going up and, oh, what's your, what's the worst Star Trek movie is a a great way to make those connections happen. And I think ultimately we have to use at least this convention, I would say any convention, um, you do have to try to step out of your box a little bit. And I know that's very, very difficult. Like, I don't know if I could have said that to you, Matt, you know, the first year. I I don't ever want to, you know, pressure somebody to where they're like, oh, gosh, I'm not going to make any friends if I don't if I don't try. But I think that it's really the best thing someone can do is just try to push themselves a little to connect. And it doesn't have to be at the bar. It can just be the person sitting next to them in the in the main theater. Right. Yep. I was just going to say, I feel like now that I'm in a much better place, having gone through more therapy and having been on medication, I'm willing to try things that used to scare me. But I mean, it, it, you're right. It's absolutely important to go beyond your comfort zone. It's just that like, you know, I would go to those bar situations and I would see people that I would like to talk to. I guess the best way to visualize it is is picture someone who's who's waiting to like jump into like 
double dutch jump rope yeah. and that's kind of yeah. like the, per, the, yeah. the that's kind of like the mode that i'm in all night which i'm gonna try to not be this year it's a good goal i have a few different thoughts based on what you just said heather so if like first off navigating the bar area for one thing like with masquerade yeah it's super tight inside the actual constraints of it but there's always socialization going on on the outside. And yeah. there's usually plenty of room, especially when you get out to like the slots area. There are still plenty of people always hanging out around there. If you're concerned about space, if you don't want to go inside there every year, I, if you want to drink, I bring my own. Yeah. So yeah, we you're able too. to get alcohol into the, the, uh, the Vegas casinos. Honestly, it's cheaper for one thing. Number two, you don't have to wait on their terrible service. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to go inside that tiny little claustrophobic area. So bring your own. I've seen people set up with all their own coolers and basically you have a cooler that you're sitting on top of the socialization comes to you. Right. <laughs> now, I was going to say too. Extra. People will come to you. What are you drinking? What do you got? No, extra. Number, and if you no, do have extra, guess what? You just made friends. Number um, three, they're, they're not watered down. That's yeah. true. <laughs> also, if you don't drink, guess what? No one cares. We talked about this. Yeah, no, IDIC. I, I have more friends at the Star Trek convention of a plethora of different lifestyles that I don't have mm -hmm. outside of it. Like there are people that I normally, I, mean, I wouldn't say I normally wouldn't be friends with, but aren't necessarily on the same lifestyle, whether it be politically, religiously, sexually, that we don't see eye to eye on, but we still are friends there based out of our love for Trek. Does this make yeah. sense what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if you don't drink, it's not a big deal because there's plenty yeah. of other things that we have in common or don't have in common and we're still friends with. Yep. I've made plenty of friends just from general conversations of what's your favorite uh, Star Trek series. And then the last thing was that uh, we talked about pushing yourself to go and do things outside of your comfort zone. Like I watched this video from Will Smith not too long ago. It was a motivational thing where he talked about how all of the best and brightest points of happiness – are always on the opposite side of your biggest fear. Yeah. So it is sometimes terrifying to go and walk up to that girl that you think is cute or the per the, the A group that that you want to be a part of but you're afraid to. But the thing is you have to force yourselves to into doing those things yep. to get that reward at the end. Yeah. Yep. And the nice thing, like you like I said, you don't have to do it at the bar. You can just show up on the first day and you can set a goal of, I am going to talk to one person. If that's all you can do, that's, that's, that that's your goal is talk to one person. You'll probably end up talking to more because people are going to talk to you, but it can be just someone's, you know, sitting next to you, someone standing in line next to you, whatever. I find that, you know, setting, setting that small goal, you meet it or, you know, maybe you don't meet it on the first day. You can try again the next day. But doing something just at the, the convention itself may help you do better with, like, approaching someone at the bar or another event like karaoke or whatnot. Yeah. Right. And a little secret is that after you get that first approach done, that first cold approach where you meet somebody that you've never talked to before, you've met, you've never seen before, if you after you meet that first one, everyone after that is so much easier. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And I mean, it's also where the buddy system comes in handy for me because I, this year, like in 2015, I'm going to be rooming at STLV with Jim. 
uh, Enterprise Extra, and which means that it, he will be talking to seven, you know, seventy plus people, and by proxy, yeah. I will too. So, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that now. And I, I can't stress enough that a really great way to find buddies is if you're not already in our unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas group on Absolutely. Facebook. Absolutely. To do that, or even on Twitter, and we'll give out our Twitter handles later in the show, but just making connections on Twitter, like hashtag STLV, a lot of people use it, or whatever convention that you're going to. Again, we want to extend, you know, this this advice to other conventions, but finding finding a friend beforehand, finding a few friends maybe, uh, is is a great way to kind of help mm-hmm. out with with managing that anxiety, and that you know you already know someone that's going to be there. I kind of like if you haven't actually met the person, that's why it's good to have multiple people because, right, we all know that sometimes you meet a person and you don't quite click. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's why I like to have multiple options just in case. <laughs> there's like 5,000 people there. So if you don't click with one person, there's 4,999 others. Exactly. Absolutely true. So, you know, all this advice is great stuff. And uh, I'm sure that. People are listening to this and taking this to heart, but I, I think in my own experience, I've always felt hearing some real world examples of putting this stuff into practice and hearing about other people's success was a lot more meaningful uh, than just hearing advice. I know all four of us have stories that we can tell about putting this type of stuff into practice and how it all worked out positively for each and every one of us. So w- I think it would be a really cool idea if all of us took turns telling you know, our stories and maybe a little summary. I know Zach has a really great story about going to the con alone and coming out with tons and tons of friends. So, um, you know, Zach, if you, if you would be so kind as to tell your story for us, that would be awesome. Sure. I mean, I mean, it'll only take about 30 years to tell you the whole thing, but we'll tell you the time. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I guess we'll rewind the clock back to the, this will be my fourth convention. Four years ago, it was like, I had my first real time, big time job. I first bit of money, my first vacations, and I was like, well, you know, I want to go to a con. I've never been to a con before. And I did a little research, and I ended up settling on Star Trek Vegas mainly because uh, guaranteed seating in a panel. Mm-hmm. That's what sold me, was that I was like, you know what? I don't have to stand in line for panels. I like Trek. Trek is fun. Sure, we'll do that. And so I tried to get some people to go with me, and no one did. No, no one eventually sold me on it. Yeah, I had a lot of nervousness about my first one. You know, I'd, I'd never really been to Vegas before. Uh, I'd never been to a con before. I didn't know a single person going. I didn't know that Star or Star Trek Facebook groups existed. So I showed up cold, didn't know a person. And one of the things that helped me really was I read a little self-help book. And it's called uh, The Game by Neil Strauss, if anyone has actually read that. Hmm. I nope. have not. Nope. I have not either. Okay. All right. Well, if anyone on the podcast listening to it knows why I'm laughing about that, I'll, I'll just let them figure it out. Anyway. <laughs> So I read the, like half of that book on the way here, away to Star Trek Vegas. And the first day, I was just kind of walked around the strip, and then I went to go see Penn and Teller. And as I was leaving, I see all these Trekkies up at Masquerade. I walked by it. And I didn't go up there at first. I walked past it like two or three times. And I told myself, okay, either you're going to have to go and just walk up to people and start talking – or you're going to be very alone all week. I remember uh, it was Peter and Lawrence were at the bottom of the stairs, and they were uh, in Star Trek shirts, and I was wearing a Star Trek shirt. And I just went up to them, and I was like, you know what? What brings you guys here? We talked for about five minutes, and they were cool. They were nice guys. And I decided at that point, I'm going to talk to every single person inside that bar. Wow. And I made an effort to it. I was like, I'm not leaving until I talk to everyone. Because after that first one, 
once you get through that first one, it's so much easier. You've already done it. So just keep going. So I try to talk to everyone I could. And then I ended up meeting two other guys later that night, uh, Mike Wynn and Dan Wright. And one of them told me like, hey, I'm the most famous non-famous person at the convention. And this is the other most famous non-famous person. <laughs> and they were joking around, of course. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to crack that list this week. So I was, I was on my mission to meet as many people as I could that week. And a lot of it was forcing myself into uncomfortable situations of just walking up and randomly talking to people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like different things like last year going up and doing karaoke to a song. I didn't even know what I was, I was singing. Then Captain's Holiday was another fun one because if anyone doesn't remember Captain's Holiday, that's the episode where uh, Jean-Luc Picard wears a Speedo. <laughs> Very short swimwear. And people joked about this for a couple of years and like I'd never seen anyone do it. And then like someone posted a party last year about Risa and I made a joke and then people talked the joke seriously. So I went and like at the last minute I bought a Speedo and uh, we went to this party. And what's funny is that like typically I, I don't have that much anxiety issues, but I, I like I've said before, yeah, I get scared. Yeah, I get intimidated. Yeah, I get worried, especially about new, uncomfortable, uncompromising, dis- you know, situations. So being almost naked in front of a giant crowd of people, yeah, that's that's going to put you in that spot. Oh, definitely. So before I went to the party, I was actually in my room at the hotel, like doing push-ups, sit-ups, <laughs> anything I could to pump myself up. I had full metal going off my laptop, like let the body sit the floor, man <laughs> Uh, system of a down, like every pump up music I had. And finally I went to the party and like not everyone was there yet. So for the first hour I was walking around with my robe, like covered up. I was so insecure with the robe on. It was funny with the robe covered me. I was so insecure. What was funny is eventually someone started talking it up. Like, is it time you to do it? You're going to do it. And I spoke, I literally talked to enough people. There was no, way I could back out of this. Like I said, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. So I ripped the robe off and I ran around in a speedo and they're like, Everyone laughed. Everyone had a good joke about it. And then the next they were like, there's no way you'll walk around the convention or the the bar like that. I'm like, really? Really? You're going to dare me? So I'm trying (laughs) to put myself up into it. And of course, I went downstairs and walked around like an idiot. But yeah, so out of all this from Star Trek Vegas, it has been like this weird jumping point in my life. Like I consider that like a turning point, that first convention, meeting all these different people from different lifestyles all across the country that it's completely changed my socialization like i feel now more inspired more confident to do anything else that i want to do because of that first experience at star trek vegas going alone not knowing a soul putting myself into situations i'm not comfortable in but forcing myself to do that and seeing the rewards from it wow that's an awesome story excellent story so i i think that speaks volumes about you know the things we've been saying i think we've said this on other shows too in the past you know just breaking that ice and just talking to somebody and you have a big advantage because you're at a Star Trek convention and Star Trek is the topic that everyone there wants to talk about. So just jumping in and breaking the ice with a Star Trek conversation can lead to really great things. So I mean, you don't have to walk, you have to go as, as crazy as Zach did and wearing a bathrobe and a Speedo to do it. But or um, you can, because it was great. Or you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> so um, let's see. Well, Matt, uh, do you want to tell us your story? Sure, sure. So to try to keep my background story short, most of my anxiety stems from 
both genetics and the social anxiety definitely came from, you know, the time, but from the time I was in second grade to the time I was a senior in high school, I was about as popular at my various schools as Carrie. It, that that says a lot about, you know, a person in the sense that like it, it socialization was something that was very, very difficult for me and still is. But uh, the first year, like I said, I had gone, uh, to uh, Vegas by myself, but it just so happened that uh, some friends from, actually from where I live in, in Tucson, Arizona, were also going to be at the convention, although I didn't know that at the time, but I ended up running into them the first day that they were there, and that made things a lot easier. I was able to like hang with them and, and kind of get into the into their group of friends, so you know, it was, it was nice not being alone, but, you know, it, it, still in the back of my mind, it, it was one of those things where it's like, I want to be more social, but I don't know how to be more social. And, you know, with the, the, the background that I had from, from growing up is like, well, if I say something stupid, then no one's going to want to hang out with me. Mm, yeah. No. And I, that's the thing is I realize that now everybody says stupid things all the time, but you know, it, you're so, I got to a point where I was so self-conscious and, 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 and paranoid about what other people thought of me mm-hmm. that it kind of like, it, I, I, it's, it's like getting trapped into a feedback loop where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nervous because of what other people think of me, which makes me anxious. And then I end up not doing anything, which makes me depressed. And because I'm depressed, I'm not getting stuff done, which is making me anxious. And it's just yeah. this vicious cycle that keeps repeating. Yeah. So second year I was there, uh, actually ended up uh, meeting a bunch of people that I was podcasting with. Uh, I had a long-running podcast at the time that I we hadn't met in person yet. So that second year we were going to meet, that would have been 2013. And that was definitely a lot easier. And just the repeated exposure again and then again and again has made things a lot better, just forcing myself to get out of that comfort zone. And, you know, I, I'm perfectly honest today where it was like I still had trouble even talking to you guys, you know, at times when we were there together. But... I feel now that having done it for a while and being in a much better place now that I've gotten therapy and uh, you know on medication, I now feel like I am the person that I want to be, and that will be a lot better That's awesome. uh, for me socially going forward. So we'll see what happens, but I'm I'm actually genuinely I, I always am looking forward to STLV, but I'm actually looking forward to being myself yeah. at this yeah. at this this year. That's really inspiring. I love to hear people say that they feel comfortable being themselves. That's such a huge yeah. step. I know so many people who aren't, and I spent many years not comfortable with who I was. So um, just to hear you say that, that's really inspirational. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So Was it my turn or are you going to go? Well, Heather, I think well, our, our stories have one common element. So I, I don't know if it matters which order we tell them in, but I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, you go first. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, 2015, it was my second convention. The first one in 2014, I went with my podcasting partner, Craig. Uh, We had been doing the tricorder transmissions for a year at that point. 2015, I went with Craig again. So I wasn't technically alone, but I wound up essentially being alone because um, he actually was starting a relationship with a woman who was living in Vegas at the time. So he was kind of splitting his time or, you know, spending time with her. And I was wound up being on my own quite a bit. 
And, um, you know, we go to the con during the day or at least a couple times. So the first day we went to the con during the day, but we went back to our room. We were staying in a different place. It was not the Rio. Uh, so we left to go have dinner and, you know, he said, well, I'm going to go out with my, my girlfriend tonight. So I was kind of on my own and I, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. I really wanted to go back to the con and experience, you know, the nightlife over there, whatever it was. I wasn't familiar with it because I hadn't experienced it before, but I knew I wanted to go. But, you know, I was kind of anxious and nervous about it because I didn't really know anybody. Um, I mean, there were some people there that I had talked to in the past, but I wasn't sure even where to find them or if I was going to see them or bump into them. So it was kind of an exercise in forcing myself to do it. And I was already feeling a bit drained because I'd been at the con all day long. And so I was making a bunch of excuses in my head. Oh, it's a 20 minute drive. I have to get in the car and drive across the strip and find a place to park and walk back in and blah, blah, blah. I was making all sorts of excuses in my head why I wasn't going to go. But, you know, something kind of snapped in my head. And I said, you know what? I'm here. You know, it's kind of stupid for me to just, I mean, I could go play cards. That's what I was thinking about doing. But I said, you know what? It would be kind of dumb for me to waste this time where I could be going over to the Star Trek Adventures. That's what I really, really want to do. And we are doing this podcast and I really should go and try to make some friends. So I forced myself to go and I drove back over to the Rio, but at, I wasn't really familiar with the masquerade scene at that time. I hadn't done that yet, but I knew the karaoke party was going on. So I decided to go to the karaoke thing and I went in there. And of course, you know, there's a million people in there and I'm kind of walking around. I saw Eric Allen Hall do his his act. He was on stage doing his act as data. That was really cool, but it was really loud and it wasn't really a great place to start up conversations with people because everybody's watching, you know, people singing and it's there's a lot of noise and you really don't tap people on the shoulder and start asking questions. So, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do at that point. And I, you know, I thought to myself, well, I can hang around here. I can kind of go walk around and see if I can bump into anybody. But, you know, I had been doing the tricorder tradition for almost two years at that point. And I had remembered just kind of out of my the corner of my mind, I remembered that a couple of weeks before the convention, one of the guys who listened to our show had tweeted at us on Twitter and saying he wanted to meet us, meet up with us at the convention and, you know, to let him know when we were there. And I said, well, you know, Craig isn't with me at this point. It's just me. But you know what? I'll just roll the dice. I'll shoot the guy a DM and say, hey, I'm here. And, you know, if you want to meet up, let's meet up. And little did I know that that message that one single dm would literally literally change my life and it was actually it was jim morehouse who <laughs> who uh, matt mentioned earlier uh, enterprise extra from twitter had said he wanted to meet up and sure enough it, he comes walking into the karaoke party and we met up there and he said you know what let's let's go over to the masquerade bar and see if anybody i know is over there so he brings me with him we're walking down the hallway towards masquerade and we run into jordan hoffman on the way and we're, you know, talking Trek on the way there and we're sitting we get to the masquerade and we sit, we get up to the bar. There weren't a lot of people there. So we're sitting there kind of shooting the breeze and sitting right next to me is a girl that I didn't know, but apparently Jim knew uh, by the name of Claire, who happens to be one of one of Heather's friends. And she joined in of our conversation. And next thing I know, I'm part of this group of Trek friends and I instantly had this this amazing group of people and the the life changing part of it really was that just about all of them have become part of this show with me 
you know, Heather is now uh, the co-host of Shore Leave, and she's part of almost every other show I have. Uh, Jim and I started up the Trek Ranks podcast. Uh, Ian Adams, who's also part of that group, was there that night and got to know uh, – we got to know him. He's now my, co- my co-host for our Gold Key Comics coverage. And Claire, who's been on a whole bunch of our shows as well. And it's it's really not only changed my life, but it's also changed this show and grown the network. So one DM – you know, one, one choice, one message, you know, literally changed my entire life. So you never really know what taking a chance will do. And if I hadn't forced myself to go out that night, who I maybe wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this show uh, with Heather and the rest of you guys. So, you know, that, that to me was, was the one big moment in, in STOV uh, and one big chance that I took that really made a huge difference for me. Good story. <laughs> Did I put you guys to sleep? I didn't hear a single noise the whole time. No, we were. I was just captivated. Well, thank you. Well, and I met you through that as well, Mac, because you were there that night as well. Yeah, I remember you being there. I'm glad your impression of me was better than the the, the impression I thought was I was giving out because it, like that was me in the middle of like the biggest social obstacle in my life of just being more more open. I was like. I'm coming across like a, such a weirdo, you know, <laughs> I don't think it came off like that at all. In fact, I was kind of remember myself, I was kind of marveling at what I had kind of stumbled into that night as well. It was, just, it was everything kind of clicked and we all had that, we moved over to that one table and everybody was there. And I think Heather was there and the five-year mission guys all showed up and uh, several other people that have become, you know, part of this regular group of people. And it's just fantastic. So my turn. Sure. <laughs> So, yeah, so I guess I, I feel like I've been going to this convention the longest. My, I, my first year was 2009. And as I've said a million times on the podcast, my my life has changed over the course of my STLV uh, love, love affair, I'll say. <laughs> Excuse me, my first uh, STLV, I did not go to alone. Uh, I was married at the time. So my ex-husband and I went. Uh, we went together 2009. And then in 2010, we had some friends come in that joined us. So off the bat, I certainly the second year, I socialized the most just with our friends. That that first year, we socialized some. My ex-husband was more of an extrovert than I am. So he was really good at starting up conversations. And so we met mm. met some people, uh, the most memorable of those people being my friend Frankie, who has been on the podcast or uh, with Marina about, I think it was a Rochester convention or upstate New York convention mm-hmm. that we talked about, but I met her at the the Roddenberry party back when there were Roddenberry parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, an offsite party at the Mirage. Just wound up talking to her. I don't remember if she approached me, I approached her, whatnot. We wound up keeping in touch via Facebook and uh, some other, another social Trek website that I don't even recall the name of. And so in 2011, I got divorced and this was right before the convention. So we had been planning to go and then, oh, no, we're getting divorced. I still wanted to go to the convention. So I decided to go by myself and I reached out actually to the unofficial group and basically said, number one, I have this extra ticket. Uh, Number two, I need friends. So I wound up, Frankie basically offered to share her room with me. So that was really awesome. It was someone I didn't know super well, but I really, I needed help and I needed a buddy. And and that's what I got. Uh, going that year definitely forced me to come out of my shell somewhat. Uh, there was a lot of drama that year <laughs> with other people. And so it, it wasn't 
the best year ever for me, but it it was still good enough that I decided to come back the next year uh, with my current partner, but he didn't really like the convention as much as I did. Again, he, he doesn't quite get the social aspect or enjoy the social aspect of the convention. So when 2013 came around, I decided to go by myself, completely by myself. Uh, I knew that all of my friends from the group were going. I knew that Frankie was going, but I knew that people's partners were coming. And I did get very anxious because I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to have to eat by myself. Like I'm not going to have people to go out with. I'm just going to be by myself the whole time. How am I going to make friends? There was a lot of anxiety involved, but I decided to go anyway because I just love the convention. I get there. I'm standing in line to re- uh, check into my hotel room. And I've told the story already, so sorry for the repeat for those who have heard it. But there's a conversation going on behind me with the uh, man and a woman, and I'm overhearing it. And finally decided to turn around and jump in. And that conversation was with a gentleman whose name I don't remember, but the very memorable Claire Little. (laughs) (laughs) Their their conversation ended and she and I struck up conversation. And in the, I don't know, 30 minutes that we stood in line, I basically jumped out and said, hey, I like this girl, uh, this woman. Would you like to get rooms close together? Um, I did have a little bit of apprehension about like walking to my room alone and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just understandable. Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I thought this was this is a great opportunity to have someone who has a room close to me that as long as we get along, we can walk back and forth together, hang out together. Uh, and she's now my best friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. I you was know? wondering, I always wondered how you guys met because like, if you guys ever come to Star Trek Las Vegas and you meet Heather, chances are she'll be with Claire. And I just like, to me, to me you guys <laughs> sure. are like the, di- the, the, the dynamic duo. So I always wonder <laughs> how, how, how that started. We're so adorable that some people think we're in a relationship. Uh... <laughs> and no, we're not. But uh, yeah, it was just, I overheard a conversation and I decided to jump in. And by the end of that conversation, I decided to be a little for, you know, I thought I was being a little too forward maybe, but Claire to this day will say that, you know, she appreciated that I reached out and and asked if she wanted to get a room next to me. It worked out great because we, we, we like each other a lot and we formed, we formed a great friendship because of that. And then, you know, as Jeff said in his story, uh, we, you know, wound up meeting, meeting him and growing this family. One of my, so my friend, Sarah, who originally started the unofficial STLV group, you know, she just recognized that I kept going back to the convention and had learned a lot about the convention. And so she offered me the, one of the admin jobs, uh, myself and someone else who's long gone. So I've stuck with that. So I've been able to make a lot of connections and build a family that way. And then just making friends at the convention, you know, who I don't talk to socially uh, or on on social media, I just keep making more friends. And, Mm -hmm. and now I have a podcast about (laughs) conventions, you know, STLV, but, but all conventions. So you know, again, we just come back to being able to convince ourselves, find some courage, whatever it takes uh, to convince yourself to go. 
And then to convince yourself to talk to other people, it's it's not something that comes to me easily and I struggle with it at the convention and that's a, like a whole other podcast I could do about <laughs> <laughs> the difficulty of, of going to a convention where a lot of people uh, know you. <laughs> Since I admin the group and I do a podcast now, I, I find that I show up and people know me and I may not recognize them or remember their name. So that's like part two of the anxiety episode, right? I mean, it's always, it's, it's a little bit interesting. I don't know if you had this, but because I, I've podcasted too, you have people come up to you and say, wow, it's so, it's so weird putting a, a face to the voice, you know, it's just. Like... <laughs> yeah. And you know, you, I mean, I do this with, you know, I listen to tons of podcasts. I listen to Matt's podcast. You start, you you get to know people through their podcasting and and through social media. So you start to, you know, build an idea of who that person is. And when you're there, you're just all caught up in, oh my gosh, it's that person. And I I can't believe I'm meeting you. And I'll I'll turn my story into this. Um, Aside from the whole point of go to this convention because you're going to make friends pretty much no matter who you are. One of the, the big anxiety issues I have is this matter of people knowing me and I may not know them. And I brought this up on Twitter not long ago and it was well received by some of my friends who have similar issues. And they're like, why don't we have name tags at this convention? Totally (laughs) with you. Yeah. We get lanyards. If you know, as long as you're a weekend ticket, you get a lanyard from creation that the reserved seats, you can put your seat row and number on the seat. So Jeff and I had talked about it before and we said, well, why don't we fulfill that need for people? So when, when this episode gets released, you will have five days, <laughs> five days left. So if you go to the unofficial STLV group, or if you follow me on Twitter or follow Shoreleave on Twitter, we have the instructions. There are two types of name badges, one is the Horgon and one is the just the LLAP hand. And you can choose either. We made the LLAP hand for people who didn't want the sexual suggestion of the Horgon. I was going to say, I don't the Horgon in, <laughs> in Las Vegas where, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'll go for it, but I don't know if else <laughs> Not everybody will. And it wasn't yeah. quite made for children, which we didn't really think about. So that's why we made the LLAP hand. So you can buy either one, um, the basic name badge, which will have your name on it as you request. You can have whatever you want on your name tag. So it's five bucks just for the name tag, or it's 10 bucks for the name tag with the lanyard. Both of those options include shipping. We send you a proof of what it's going to look like so that you can approve it before we print it. And that way you can clip it on your, you know, the lanyard you already have, or you'll have it with this lanyard and people will know who you are. (laughs) That for me, because I've had people come up and they're like, oh my gosh, it's Heather. And they don't even tell me their name at all. Like I'm just bad. Number one at committing the name to memory, but some people are just so excited. They forget to tell you. And then I don't know about you. I kind of clam up and I'm like, oh crap, I don't know who this person is. And it's embarrassing right. to ask who they are. So so we created this name badge project in hopes to help alleviate some of that anxiety for people and to just fulfill a need. Yeah. And it's been going really well. We've got a lot of orders from a lot of great people and Hopefully we're going to be getting a lot more and I'm excited to see everybody wearing them. But so confession for me, Heather, I, I will also, because I've always been horrible with names. 
So I totally get where you're coming from. I have a hard time remembering people's names, especially people I haven't met before. I've only seen on social media or on Twitter. It's 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 daunting sometimes. And I, I witnessed it last year with you a couple of times <laughs> in the hallway, just walking with you and having people come up and say, hey, it's Heather. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, hey, go, you. Hey, hey, you. How are you? That's usually my default. But yeah, so definitely they could go over to the, the Star Trek Las Vegas convention group. Uh, the unofficial group and check out the post and there's pictures there's pictures of the badges and if you want you can even look through there's another uh, thread for proof approval so you can look through and see what other people have gotten too um, just to see what they're going to look like uh, before you order one i put my twitter handle on mine too in mm -hmm. addition to my name that's yeah, a couple I people mean, did that that's awesome i had no idea you guys were doing that so yeah uh, you'll be getting my order relatively yeah. soon. Oh, awesome. Well, I can tag you in the post or whatnot. Another idea that people have, I'll just share before we close up here, is um, business cards. Like, mm -hmm. they're more just like name cards, but they get basic little business cards printed up with their like their Twitter handle, their name, whatever their social media stuff is. And if they do a podcast or some other uh, creative endeavor and put that on there so that you know, some of us, it's like we've got our phone in our hand and we can be like, oh, hey, what's your name? And follow them on Twitter. And some of us are just you forget. So it's nice to have the little cards where at the end of the day you can go in and put in that information. So that's just a, a secondary idea. If people uh, want to print those on their own. Yeah. Awesome idea. So. All right. I guess that wraps up the show. We've been here for about 90 minutes. So I guess we can go around the horn and tell people how to get a hold of us on social media. So. All right. So, Zach, uh, how can people find you on social media if they want to talk to you? Uh, I am on the Facebook as Zach Nichols. I do have a cosplay stupid videos and other random crap page called Wild Turkey, the Wild Turkey. Nice. It's a uh, the pictures of me dressed as a uh, Richard Simmons with a uh, blue <laughs> unicorn. Awesome. <laughs> or what's, I'm not what's sure. What's your um, what's your podcast network? I have a website called Nerd Union, but I am no longer with it, and I am uh, restructuring. We are going to come out with our own podcast here in the next month called Wild Turkey Off the Wagon. Cool. Very cool. cool. Well, let us know and on it, Twitter when you do. That would require me having a Twitter. Oh, you don't have a Twitter. <laughs> well, let us know on Facebook. Yeah, I'm just on the Facebook, but I'm in the uh, the Star Trek Vegas group. And usually the best way to uh, find me is just look for the loud guy at Masquerade, the ball, <laughs> the ball usually ball. in a suit. Just come up to me and ask me uh, about Picard, and I'm I'm right there. I'm your friend. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Matt Hansen, where can people find you online? So the the best way to get a hold of me online is probably through my Twitter, which is at mhansen0207, H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm also fortunate enough to be the co-host of two really fun podcasts. One is called Upper Pylon 2. That is my DS9 review podcast on the Tretmate Network comes out every thursday we're about a quarter of the way through season five now as a matter of fact uh before right before i came on with you guys i was we were just wrapping up our episode on on things past which is a great episode by the way uh so that that's good fun and i also co-host the filibuster on the nerd party network uh, on occasion uh it's it's i've had to drop out of that one a little bit more only because I'm also currently in law school. So, oh, wow. uh, so, uh, my, my time is very, very limited, but I hope to be back on there soon. Yeah, uh, so you can find me all three of those places. 
I'm a big fan over of uh, Nerd Party over there. So join Nerd Party is their Twitter, right? That's the that's right. Handle. That's right. Yes. Uh, and shout out to our friend Tristan, who it, I only got to see him for a way less time than you last year. I mean, tiny, tiny little bit, uh, but it was certainly very cool. And I hope that we get to see him down the road. Be awesome, Heather. Where can people find you? Okay, so on Twitter, I am LLA Posper. On Facebook, I admin, co-admin the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas group. Uh, I'm there. I have a profile on Facebook, but I'm not accepting new friend requests unless someone sends me a message first. (laughs) No offense to anyone out there, but I just get way too many, and I'd rather people follow me on Twitter than friend me on Facebook if I don't know who they are. Yeah, I agree. So... Uh, I also have a, a profile on Facebook, and I'll reiterate Heather's comments that uh, please send a message before you friend me. I get I get a lot of friend requests. I'm on several different podcasts aside from just our Star Trek Tricorder Transmissions ones. So send me a message first. I'm also on Twitter at Warp Factor Jeff, and uh, I'm also an admin of the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook group, so you can find me there as well. And this is Shore Leave. You can find this show on Twitter, at Shore Leave. And we also have our own website, thetricordertransmissions.com, and we're on Facebook, slash the tricorder transmissions you can find us there we also have a youtube channel that you can get through our website and all sorts of other ways so that brings us to the end of episode 25 of shore leave thanks everybody for being here zach matt thanks so much thank Thank you you. all right and heather we'll see you again i think we're going to be back with shore leave maybe next week as well we're going to be here every weekend guys (laughs) yeah i think we're going to be here every weekend Keep your eyes out for the next Shore Leave, and thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys all soon. Hi there. Thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5yearmission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's trekgeeks.com and 5yearmission.net. Check them out today.